Hey friends, your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish, here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy GM Prep. In this weekly show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday role-playing game. Today, we are running the Cypher system for the game world Numenera by Monty Cook Games. I've been running this campaign now, I think it's like 14 sessions or so. And it has been a really good time running this game. Very different than D&D, but still a lot of D&D-ish sort of things that you can, a lot of experiences you can bring from D&D you can apply to this. So this show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. If you are enjoying this show and the other work that I do and you want to help me out, you can do so by becoming a patron. Patrons get access to all kinds of exclusive material, little source books, tips and tricks to make their games better, video previews, all kinds of other things. But most of all, they help me put on shows like this. So to the patrons of Sly Flourish, thank you very much. And if you wish to sign up you can find a link in the show notes below to become a patron of sly flourish boy you know players do things do they players do extreme things from time to time and actually it's a little it's sometimes they do it's an extreme thing and they might not realize that they're doing it and that can be a little bit of a trick so in our current game the characters are trying in last session's game the characters rescued a bunch of nanos nanos are like the the, the ninth world and the numenera equivalent of wizards they rescued a bunch of wizards who had been taken by these followers of a very powerful entity known as the fourth emperor the fourth emperor was using these nanos to build really powerful nanites so it could essentially build a giant portal so it can get through from one world into this world it's, it's now the, the the fourth emperor is not in this world and is trying to get to this world and it needs to build a, a portal to do so but building a portal like that that's big enough and powerful enough takes a ton of work and they're using a bunch of nanos to do it so they're using a bunch of nanos the nanos were all hooked up to these vertice these these vertices these connections that combined four of them at a time. So four people would be connected to these things. And the personalities of all four would begin to meld into one super personality. And they needed to have all four working at like the neural level together to be able to build these nanos. The problem is when you do that over a long period of time, what happens is that your personalities join and you cannot separate again. You would die if you try to separate again. You, 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 your brains would shatter. So the characters discovered this. They found one of the characters' mother was a facilitator, one that helped them survive this process without dying. And she said the only way to, to get them is to draw them into the data sphere and their bodies will die, but they'll still be new things. And they did that and they created these new entities that the, the, the party, the, the characters, the players referred to as quad cores, which I think is a great name. So they are the quad cores. You know, I was pontificating a name for these guys for like 10 minutes last time. And then the player said, how about a quad? Or, you know, oh, they're like quad cores. And I was like, okay, they are the quad cores. So the quad cores are now data sphere only entities. They're kind of tall and large. They look like they're 11 or 12 feet tall. They're sort of, you know, have like a luminescent skin, very featureless. They look kind of like the aliens in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And they don't really understand people anymore. They don't understand single personalities anymore. But... Uh, Cassandra, uh, the mother of one of the characters, Juniper, she is able to talk to them and kind of communicate with them and tell them what's what, what's what and what they can do. And I think there's five of them because there were there were, you know, 20 of the uh, maybe there's four, four or five of them. I think there's five of them. And they are because they are data sphere entities that have personality, super personalities. They are one of the only weapons that the characters can use to crack a herald. A herald is a very powerful, super artificial intelligence that works for the fourth emperor. And they are they, they are represented as large spheres that float both in the physical world and in the data sphere. And they are notoriously difficult to try to, try to crack and, and even fight or do anything like that. They're they are very, very powerful. So 
they instead, but but the, the quad cores can crack a herald. They can at least open the door and then the characters have to go inside and, and, and take it over. So that's the big plan is for them to break in and, and go over. While they were exploring this area, they found a dagger in a vault and the dagger contains nanites that belong to a species known as the hex the hex is probably equally dangerous to the fourth emperor in fact it is the the entity that wiped out the fourth emperor and this they knew that this dagger was sealed away like in a faraday cage by the by the group who had built this facility originally and one of the players said, I, I hook it up. I connect it to my, I, can, I have a data port. I said, like, the back end of the dagger changes into a data port that's directly compatible with you because it can use its nanos to change its shape and stuff like that. And he's like, I plug it in. And I'm like, does everybody allow this? And everyone's like, I go up to him and I say, you know, you really want to think this through before you do this. And then he goes, I look at them and then I plug it in. I'm like, okay, they had a, they had a second chance. I'm like, you plug it in. And I'm like, the swirling red, the, the, the red swirling liquid of the dagger just disappears, flows in. And now the dagger is just a crystalline, hollow crystalline dagger. And they're like, uh oh. And I'm like, and now his, his eyes are this swirling red and he feels perfectly fine. And he's like, what happened? And they're like, I think you have the hex in you now. Right. So then they go and they, they rescue the nanos and then they're getting ready to escape. They're getting onslaughted by these huge rag myrmidons, which are like these big walking armored gorillas. And they're like, we got to get the hell out of here. Let's just dive into the data sphere and leave. And they're like, he can't go. Like if he goes, the hex will be free in the data sphere. Right. Like right now it's just in him. But if we bring him into the data sphere, it could, who knows what could happen. Right. Like we have this virus that we know caused an entire dark age for like, a hundred million years and we're going to release it into the data sphere. Like that seems like a terrible idea. So they, and I was like, well, what do you guys plan? And they're like, he's like, I'm going to stay. I'll stay and fight. Right. And I'm like, what's going to happen then? And I was like, you made the choice. We'll find out. And finally, one of the players is like, I have this thing called a frame breaker or frame frame lock, which can seal something away and sort of, you know, it was a, a cipher that they picked up previously. And he says, I can, I can, I can seal something away so that it cannot be, it basically locks it away from the data sphere. Can I use that? And I'm like, yes. I said, it's sort of a virtual Faraday cage. You can, you can essentially grab him, suck him into this thing, then bring that into the data sphere, get it out of the data. I said, it only lasts an hour, right? Get out of the data sphere, pop it open, and he will, he will come back out. And it won't, it, it basically builds an isolator around him so that you can get to the data sphere, which was a little, you know, like, would that work? I don't know. Right. But it, it worked well enough because I, I because like, I want the characters. I, it, it was a, it was a good use of ingenuity for the cipher they had. And I don't want to like really hurt the characters that bad. So I'm like, sure, we'll, we'll do that. So then they brought him back up into the open world. And now he's in the open world again. His eyes are still glowing red. Everyone else is figuring like, what are we going to do? They're, they're getting ready to like, okay, we're going to go do the Kessel run or whatever it is. We're going to do the trench run on the Herald. So we got to figure that out. And that's going to be something we're going to do, figure out today. And and we want to figure out what's going to happen with our poor friend who's been, you know, who injected himself with the hex. And I've got some ideas. So we're going to talk about all of that. And like, how are we going to go forward with all of these things? But it's very interesting. I, I'm really enjoying the scope and the scale of the game because it's like, oh, and they never did. There was this other super powerful entity that they said, oh, it'll totally help us. And they left that locked away. So they only took one of the two world ending. There was, they went to a vault that had two different world ending entities, the hex and the Odge. And they left the Odge and just took the hex. So I only have to deal with now multiple world ending events through the fourth emperor and the hex, which is great. It's fun. And I didn't know what they were going to do. So I'm enjoying this game because I have no idea where it goes. So we are going to generate a new session planning template. 
And if, as always, I am using Notion to do my campaign planning. If you are enjoying or curious about Notion, you can find a link to in the show notes for using Notion to do your campaign prep. It's a wonderful system. If you have a system and you love it, I'm not saying you should use Notion, but I really like it. And if you're looking around for one, check out Notion. You can also check out Obsidian. Obsidian is also a really, really good system that does some stuff very much like Notion, but more open sourcey, like you have better control over the data. So Obsidian works too, but I like Notion. I've already been using Notion, so I'm not going to switch. Sunday, Numenera. So we have our campaign prep notes ready to go. You know, I went through the trouble of writing this out, and now I can't remember if this is, I think they are higher than this now. I'll have to check with them to see. I'm trying to remember like what their current tier and experience levels are. And I want it to progress because I think we're getting close. So I'd like them to get to tier four pretty soon. I might have them get to tier four today, maybe. We'll see. So first thing we do is we take a look at the characters. And today it's important because we have a lot of character driven stuff going on. So we have Pat, who is Biko, who is an intuitive Jack who likes to ride the lightning. We have Cecilia, the hideous Jack who wields power with precision. We have Jad, the shade, cheerful Nano who possesses a, I'm sorry, meddlesome Jack who exists partially out of phase. We have Juniper, cheerful Nano, who possesses a shard of the sun. I don't know who's not here today. I think everybody might be here. We have Nakia, a beneficent Jack who acts without consequence, who's been much more consequential. And we have Sam G1138L, a protective glaive who fuses flesh and steel and also world-ending devices. So Sam G is the character who now has the hex within him. A couple of interesting things. So Cecilia has picked up, she picked up another cipher that can build sort of a crystalline, it can build a crystalline shell around you and can save her. So she was going to have this limited lifespan and she just found this crystalline form that can take over the kaiden of her of her shell and now she can live forever. And she's like, maybe I need to bring this to, maybe I need to bring this to my people. You know, maybe I can bring this and we can, we can save our, we can save our kind. So it's very interesting. That was a, a, another kind of, you know, I'll tell you, throwing a lot of ciphers around is good because sometimes these ciphers do a lot of interesting things. So the big, the big start today is the Hex wishes to negotiate. They, I think the, the game is going to start in the Virtus underneath Badra. Badrav is the city that the characters began in. Underneath the city and a bunch of old ruins that exist beneath it, they have a, a Virtus, their, their own Virtus, which is their way to cast into the data sphere and cast back out again. And when you do so, it's like Tron. Your whole body goes across and then your whole body comes back out again. So they popped out and that's where they, they, they dropped Samji. And Samji has the hex within him. And I was thinking like, you know, what ha- if you have a character who injected themselves? So, so one of the things is like, it wasn't super clear to me that Jay, the person playing Sam G, understood the hex and understood what it was when he did it. So I don't want to punish him. He did make the choice. And I don't want to retcon like, hey, you could, you could have chosen not to. But I also don't want to hose him because he didn't really understand exactly what was going on, right? This players only understand about half of what's going on at any given time. And sometimes they, you know, it makes a mistake, right? But I don't want it to like hose him. So you think about it like, well, from the hard reality of the situation, this is this interesting situation of reality and fun, right? Making your game as realistic as possible for what's going on in the world, but also making sure it's fun. And I think you should start with realism. You should always be focused on what, the, what makes this world feel like a solid living world of rules and, 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 and things that make sense. But then also don't forget about the fun. And if you can twist the reality a little bit to make the fun higher, you should do that. So 
And I think that's what we're going to do a little bit here. The reality is if you had a virus as virulent as the hex, that is as dangerous as the hex, it probably would have busted out. Well, so there's a few things. It could have busted out originally. Like the minute you leave that Faraday cage, you know, it's out there, right? Particles of it are out there and the particles can start changing the world, right? So so there's that. But you can also... The minute he went into the data sphere, it's like, would a cipher really stop the hex, right? This, this, is, a, this is a virus that managed to destroy an entire empire and, and lasted for 100,000 or 100 million years. Would it really be stopped by a single cipher? But you're like, yeah, sure, why not, right? It was smart enough. And it's also like, well, you know, it may not have, it may not be so super virulent that it takes over immediately. It might take a long time to, to, to take over, right? It might take thousands of years to take over because 100 million years is a long time. So... Then you say like, okay, well, what is the hex? So to me, the hex, now we, we understand what the hex is, right? The hex is a sentient, the hex is a sentient nanobots originally manufactured by the fourth emperor, originally manufactured by the fourth empire for complex and self-contained replication. So every nanobot has its own little sentience that sort of grows the more of them there are. It means that the separate hex groups will ha might have separate personalities, right? But they can, they are one of the few nan super advanced nanites that can engage in self-replication, which is what makes them so dangerous, right? So the pile of hex that is inside of Samji I think it, it also, like when it's in you, you know, when the hex is in you, it can read your mind, right? It can, what is it called? Own, pwn your mind, right? It has root to your brain, particularly Samji. So it knows what Samji knows, right? It's fully aware of what Samji, it can even unlock parts. I think it did. It unlocked parts of Samji's brain and showed him lots of stuff, right? But I think the hex wants something, right? The hex wants to, wants access to the world of the fourth empire far more than it wants earth. So it's, you know, I, it, it, it's negotiation is I know you're really worried about me. Let's make a deal. I won't take over the world here. I won't take over Earth as long as you inject me into the world of the fourth empire. They're building a portal. You have to let them finish it. They're building a portal. You have to let them finish it. Then take me to it and throw me inside. Otherwise, I'll start taking over their planet and try to do it myself. So I think that that is a reasonable argument. It basically says like, I'm going to stay here in this fella Sam G. I will offer, I've got benefits for you and stuff like that. I won't just rapidly propagate across your entire world. But in exchange, you have to take me through Sam G to the gateway of the fourth empire and throw me in. You do that. And then I can take over that world, which is far more advanced than this pitiful place. Right. I want that way more. And I find that it works better if I work with the sentient entities that are here than it is to just take you take take it over. Because like it turns out, I think like, you know, the hex can war with itself as much 
as it can war with other sentient entities. That's what caused the hundred, the fifth age, right? The fifth dark age, the fifth, the, the dark age of the fifth age, the darkness of the fifth age. How does that feel? Does that feel pretty good? That feel, I mean, like it gives them agency, right? You want, what you want to do is hand agency back to the characters. You now have this choice you can make, but can they really make the choice? What's the opposite choice? Because they really don't have one, right? The, the, the other reality is like, you know, the hex could be like, what makes you think I haven't already started infiltrating everything around you? You think I'm just limited to the data sphere? There was a reason they kept me in a Faraday cage, right? And it's like, you're breathing me right now, right? Like I'm everywhere. I already, you know, so you could already say like, it's already escaped, right? Like the minute, I don't know if I want to pull that. Cause that really feels like, well, what was our point? Right. But you know, the hex should refer to itself as we probably, I think so. I mean, like, does it have a central, does it have a central personality? It's not the Borg, right? It's like different collections of it. I, I wonder if there's warring personalities among the hex. It's sort of like a different, almost creates like a different plane. So I don't know. Does that feel like a false choice? Does that feel like the players are like, oh, great. We don't have any other choice. I think they're just happy to have a choice, right? Now, is there a way to destroy the hex would be another, another one. Could they use... Can the characters use the quad cores to destroy the hex? You know, is there another is there another way? And maybe, um, maybe uh, Cassandra through the quad cores can be investigating a way to to potentially destroy the hex, but it's going to take time, right? So we can do that because you want to give options, right? You don't want to give false options, like well, you, you know, here's this choice, but you really only have one. But it's like, well, it's better than killing your own friend or throwing him to space or something says she can get the quad cores to look for a way to neutralize the hex so that's an option so i think that that will be a fun start and then i think the next part so the scenes are the negotiate with negotiation with the hex and then planning the herald run the, the run against Faradon. we'll call it the Faradon run then we want to plan this situation, right? So let's let's jump to the next section, which I think will probably take a session or two. And that's the cracking of Faradon, right? And so what is Faradon? So Faradon is, it, it, the Faradon is a huge sphere. This is where we think of it from like a situation, like what's the situation, right? And we can even create a new section, the Faradon. And the Faradon situation, the Faradon exists both in, we can make these secrets and clues too, right? Some of these I already know. But it, again, never, never hurts. This, both in the physical world and in the data sphere. The Faradon has lim very limited connectivity to the data sphere. Only a single channel connected to... So this could be kind of fun. I don't know how complex we want to make this, but I have another NPC who I was going to use as like the voice, Kavax, the speaker of the fourth. So there's a connection to Kavax, right? Kavax, the speaker of the fourth in the newly reconstituted. No, let's see. I don't want to bring back the Temple of Faradon because he nuked it, right? In Kavax's sanctum. They can break into Kavax's sanctum, find Kavax's data connection port to the Faradon. And that's when they look through... So if we have a location, we have Kavix's 
sanctum, which is sort of like a large in it's like an in in an internal pyramid, right? Uh, internally hollow with tons of data connection feeds to the other fourth empire locations and Orgolians. So they break into Kavix's sanctum. That's easy, right? Cracking cracking that is not terribly difficult. Probably a level five a level five connection to get inside there. Probably directly openable. Like the the quad cores can get right in to Kavix's sanctum. So that's no problem. Normally it'd be very hard to get into, but because of the quad cores, they have no they have no difficulty. Then in Kavix's sanctum, that's where there is a a data port connection that can let them go up into Faradon, right? And the door, I guess this is a secret, right? The door to crack into Faradon is a level 10. But the quad cores can take this down to a level 6. Right, so it's a level 6. It's still an 18 or better to break through. And it's also defended with anti, with ice, right? When I say intrusion countermeasure entities, I think in this case it's just like lightning, like, you know, blasts of lightning will start to like try to disintegrate that, try to disintegrate anything trying to break in. So they get into the port, they have to fire their way up, they have to make a, a level, it would normally be a level 10 check, right? You got to roll a 30 on a d20 which you can't do, but the quad cores take it down to a level six. So now it's an 18 or better, but, and then their own stuff, training in Numenera, training in the data sphere, assisting one another, any other assets that they've got can lower it and lower it and lower it. And then they make the roll and try to break through. They would never be able to do it if they didn't have the quad cores, but with the quad cores, they can actually crack through. And every, every failure results in like, you know, them getting disintegrated at a level six. They take six points of damage each time that they fail. So it's kind of tearing them to pieces if they don't make it, but they probably will be able to break in. So then the next question is inside. So if you were a artificial super intelligence from another plane of existence that existed in both the physical world and the data sphere, and somebody went inside your brain, what would it look like in there? Right? What would that be like? I don't know. So I'm kind of taken by, by, you know, Neuromancer, right? And there's a scene in Neuromancer where Case, the main character, uses a virus called the, the Quang Mark, Mark IV to crack a artificial intelligence. And when he hits it, he dies. His, his pulse goes to zero. His, his, his brainwave pattern goes to zero. And he finds himself on a beach. And he's there on this beautiful beach talking to this guy. And the guy's like, hey, what are you doing here, right? And it turns out the, 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 it's like a kid, right? And in swim trunks. And the kid in swim trunks is the AI that he's been breaking. So there's this cool idea of like, you know, it could be a hyper-realistic world in there. It could be an opportunity to see what the fourth empire, the world of the fourth empire looks like. It could be being earth moat kind of crazy stuff. Like, you know, a big, a great big void, you know, what would it, you know, probably a sphere within a sphere, right? Because I think the Faradon still considers itself a sphere. And, and so the, like the, the intellect of the Faradon is still in there. And the intellect of the Faradon is a, you know, is a physical thing that they're going to have to face. We could, for funsies, let's see, use the cyberspace generator. 
Cyberspace Generator is a from the Sly Flourish's Uncovered Secrets Volume 2, available to patrons of Sly Flourish. And we can take a look. This is to build kind of interesting things in cyberspace, right? This can be used for either like a cyberpunk adventure or for Numenera or whatever. So we're going to roll some dice on this and just see what, what comes to mind. So we could say Cation 1 is a virtual garden. It could be a, ooh, like what if it was like a crazy, like a garden of a, an alien garden, right? What would that be like? Like pulsing trees. Let's think about this. I kind of like that, right? So we have, you know, inside Ferradon, the alien garden. So in the alien garden, you have three going into eddies. Like this is how it thinks, right? For it, it sort of floats over this lake, this massive lake of data, right? And it's able to sort of build them into eddies and kind of draw them up and do things with them and let them go. I kind of like that. So you have big trees, a cable. The trees, the cables are like connectivity to other places. What else would you find in a garden? Probably statues, right? And they would probably attack. So pe flowers with people instead of flowers. That's not bad, right? So flower, flowers that connect to people, right? To people across, except it doesn't connect to people. It only has that one data port. So maybe it has like a virtual representation of different people. To virtual representations. It's models of people tended by little mechanical bees right these bees kind of fly around and do stuff and then huge statues of strange squid-like beings that attack so i think that's pretty cool they go inside and there's they, they find themselves in this massive garden they look and they see swirling starscapes up above they see it all kind of like funnel into a funnel that they think is actually like you know sort of a connection to the other world they see all of these different sort of flowers each one of them they can almost hear a voice from the different flowers there are there are, you know millions of them right and each one of those is a is a full simulation of an individual including full simulations of the characters right but it doesn't like it can't it can't deal with individuals so it's watching the trends almost like wind blowing across the flowers right i think you know it it it's it has copies of everything it's built this simulated world but it can, you know, one of the things about it is it can't really understand people, right? But I think that that's pretty cool. So that's what's inside Faradon. And then I think we'll have like a series of encounters. And this is where I wanted to pull up. Let's see. I, I, I threw it in the bestiary this morning. I had two different things that I thought were great. The czar. So we have the accelerators, right? This is bestiary one. And accelerators are on page 20. So these are accelerators. I think they look awesome, right? And they're good and tough. There's probably three of these things. Three level sixes is hard. And those are on... So we have three... These are sort of the towering statues in the background, right? And we have the other one that I, I dug with the czars. And the czars are the, 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 the keepers, right? They, they are the ones that... And that's on page 135. Right, and these are little bee beekeeper, little cybernetic beekeepers. They're level fours, but I think they're going to be swarms. So I think we'll have like swarms of le like level five swarms that might attack. Maybe they'll be level fours. I guess we'll have a swarm of level fours, right? And they sort of tend to these things, and they will come out and try to cut down these these the groups. So I think that those will be the two big ones. And then there was another. I don't remember where I saw it. One of the other books had it i think but i guess we didn't need to worry so then there's the pharadon itself right and i think pharadon 
is a level eight, right? Very hard. And let's see. I think that they can use some asset. Like this is where, um, yeah, Meeple says it would be kind of fun to actually show the fourth empire at this point. That's, that's true. And they might, you know, seeing it, seeing it sort of floating up in space might be kind of neat. So I think Faradon is level eight, but I think that they can immediately use their friend Takran. Takran can be a, a double asset and take it to like, you know, Takran's like, I can, I can help you with this. I can, I can help crack it. And maybe the hex can be another app asset, right? If they're willing to allow it, that can work too. So that can lower it to a six and then it can be beatable. And the idea is like, they're going to have to fend off like the accelerators, right? Which are really nasty. There's three of those things. And there's probably how many swarms? Four swarms, five swarms of czars. This is all inside of, uh, of Faradon, right? And then they crack Faradon. Oh, and they'll see inside Faradon, they, they also see a data connection, a one, or a, a, a dedicated connection to the, the eye, right? And it's probably, so when they're getting attacked, it's trying to locate where they are. And it's probably going to start trying to drop tungsten rods down wherever it thinks the characters might be connected. But if you're in the data sphere, it doesn't know where you are, right? Um, it could threaten, you know, it could threaten it and say, like, we're going to blow up Scarlet Watch. We're going to kill everything you love, right? We'll blow up Scarlet Watch. We'll blow up uh, Badrav. And maybe it'll just do so. But it can't get to the hive. The hive, where is the hive, right? You know, I think that that's an interesting question. What can it, you know, if it had access to the tungsten rods, what could it do with it? And the answer is not very much because you're in the data sphere. You're not in, you're not in physical space. So that's interesting. So what other, I said I was going to do the Faradon situation, but I don't need to do the Faradon situation because I put it elsewhere because the other steps cover it. So other secrets. We want three more secrets. Three more things that the characters can discover when they're when they're monkeying around with all of this stuff. Is it stuff about the hex? Is it stuff about Faradon? Is it stuff about the Fourth Empire? So I think they already know this, but just in case, the fourth the FE was using the quad cores to build a portal. Very complicated. Very complicated portal to the realm of the fourth empire, the fourth emperor in the outside. The Effie is building this portal underwater. It can't be destroyed with uh, an eye. So I think like when they, when they accomplish this, Oh, so one thing is like, so the, that, how, what, what possible way, I guess you could have like a subspace connection. I, I guess that would be it, right? Faradon communicates to the, to the eye through a, a data sphere connection that travels through the outside. That's why it can't be cracked outside of Faradon. That's an important one. And control over the eye can only happen physically. The characters must real cast to the eye 
to take control of it. When facing, I think that's probably good enough. How come, how come we can't control remotely? How did he control remotely? Well, he didn't. He had people up there. There, there are critters up there that are controlling it, and you have to go up there. I just want—I think it will be fun for the characters to go visit a satellite, right? I think it'll be fun for them to be up, up in space, and then they can come back down again. And, and from space, they can drop tungsten rods and destroy the Fourth Empire. So if they crack Faradon, which I think they're going to do, and if they crack, if they get access to the eye, which lets them drop, and there's probably sixty-two tungsten rods. The eye has sixty-two rods remaining so it can fire these tungsten rods down on earth and that 62 rods is enough to destroy a third of the fourth empire's construction right it can set them back centuries this can destroy a third of the fe's assets on earth setting back the empire uh, for years, probably not centuries, but for years. Oh, there's another eye, right? There's a second backup eye, but I don't think Faradon has control over that one. There's a second backup eye controlled by another. It must be destroyed before it can, right? So there are there are six satellites, six geosynchronous satellites floating around in space. They've been there millions of years. And each pair of them oversees one third of the planet. All right. Different, different positions can, can look at different parts of the entire planet. And they have a primary and a backup. And the primary and the backup are not controlled by the same herald for that very reason. Right. But the minute that Faradon loses control over the eye, the other one's going to try to destroy the eye of Faradon. So what can, what can, they do. So they'll have to know that that's going to happen. The first thing they have to do is get control of the eye, pivot the eye, and destroy the other one, right? So that they're the only one. They can't take that one over because they don't have access to it. They'd have to crack a whole other herald. So they have to move very quickly to do this. Takrin, your pal Takrin, wants to be connected directly into the remains of Faradon to become a herald of the characters. I think that'd be very cool. So we got that. We got our locations, NPCs. We have Takrin. He's our your pal Takrin. We have Cucuccio. I don't know what Cucuccio is going to do. We have Cassandra. We have Cucuccio. We have Rabbit. Who else? What other NPCs do we think are going to come into play here? Terrence is around. Terrence is around. Who else? So Slyandar might be the other herald. Oh, we have Kavex, right? Any other NPC? I think that is pretty solid for NPCs. I think, you know, we got a lot of NPC. So we got our strong list. Let's, let's, oh, and, and treasure. Uh, they'll probably have some random ciphers in Kavex's sanctum and any other treasure i mean they're getting you know their treasure is they're getting a satellite they're getting access to a super powerful artificial super intelligence they're getting access to i was thinking about like this a spear that like it's not really a magic item but it's sort of like a spear that connects of the quad core 
right? That the quad cores can all kind of, they, they create this like blessed spear, right? And they, they give the spear. And if you plug it in, the quad cores can then channel through that. And, it, and that's what they can use to sort of break into, you know, they can use that to unlock the door. But I, they're, they're pretty well loaded with magic items at this point. So I don't think I'm going to worry about that. So I got my monsters. I've got treasure. I've got big pile of secrets and clues. I've got fantastic locations. I think I have a good understanding of what the situation is like, I think. Like, again, it, I think it always helps to think about, like, well, how is this place in the world? Like, what's this place like in the world? And how does that operate? And I think we're also, I, I think we're coming closer to the conclusion of the campaign. I think somebody had asked previously, like, hey, where do you think this is going? So where I think it's going is they crack Faradon, they, they, they get into Faradon, they crack Faradon, they get the eye, they then have access to the eye. They probably use the eye to blow up all of the locations that the fourth empire has been building, right? And it's going to be a little hard because it's like, there are people there, right? This is like the Death Star. It's like, there's a bunch of contractors on the Death Star, right? A bunch, a bunch of dudes who just wanted to make things. So they're going to have to blow up, but they can, they can set things back significantly by, by using that. They can blow up other heralds they can, if they can get control over the other eye, they can blow up other heralds. They can blow up other, the, 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 the skybreakers, which is what's been changing the atmosphere around. They can locate and blow up other facilities, other Orgolian facilities and things like that. They can do all of that. They can, they can hit, you know, almost everything in a, in a third of the world, right? Well, they can at least hit 63 of them, right? Because they have 63 tungsten rods left and, or 62 tungsten rods left. So then they blow up all that. That sets it back. And then I think the next step is, going down and finding they're, they're going to go to the gate right and and they need to go to the gate they need to figure out are we going to go there face the fourth empire and then throw the hex in and i think at that point they will you know that'll be kind of the final conclusion is going to the going to the gate it's going to be on big giant underwater facility and face the fourth empire and then make a decision about what they do like with the hex and what they do with the portal and everything else and i think it'll be i think that'll be the end of the campaign I think we will, I think we'll call it at that point. So I think that's where we're headed, but what, you know, I'm keeping a loose hand on that. So we'll see, but I think we're all set. So I'm going to thank everybody for hanging out with me this morning while I was preparing for my Numenera, Numenera game. If you enjoyed this show, you can help me out by subscribing to the Sly Flourish newsletter, supporting me directly on Patreon, picking up any of my books or subscribing to my videos on YouTube. You can find links to all of these things down in the show notes on both the video and the podcast. For the folks on Twitch, I want to thank you very much for hanging out with me today. Stick around. We are, I'm going to, I'm going to just get things ready and we're going to do the talk show coming up here any minute. So to the, uh, for everybody else, thank you very much. Have a great day. Get out there and play an RPG.